0: Yo, 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 is that a card game? People wanna know. They got kids who play Pokemon, yu gi Those games don't cut it. I ain't trying to be cold. But when it comes to fun, that ain't what I get a fun Not gonna let you finish. Take a minute, set you start So the next conversation, you sound like you got some brand. This
1: episode of the Tome Show is brought to you by Noble Knight, where out of print is available again. And listeners like you, thanks for using the Tomes Amazon and DM's Guild affiliate links and for becoming patrons at patreon.com slash to, to, to,
0: to
1: Welcome to the Tome, a DD news, reviews, and interviews show, and I'm your Tome host, Jeff Greiner.
2: And I'm Tracy Hurley, and in this episode, number 316 will be Going 23 floors under a tavern a chat with a crazy wizard in Waterdeep, Dungeon of the Mad Mage.
1: Joining us for this episode of the Tome Show is the, our social media manager and one of the creatives over at Fat Goblin Games. Welcome back, Ishmael Alvarez.
3: Uh, good to be back as always.
1: And also coming along for the ride is the senior, and I mean that in the way that he is also a grognard uh, and yells at kids to get off his lawn, Tome Show editor Sam Dillon. Hello. Hello. <laughs>
2: There have been roughly a dozen products about Undermountain, and Dungeon of the Mad Mage is the latest one. It is also arguably the most detailed, and all updated to the newest edition of the game. Dungeon of the Mad Mage is a mega dungeon adventure set under the city of Waterdeep in the Forgotten Realms that is meant for characters at 5th level and is good all the way up to 20th.
1: Before we dig into that, let's mention our sponsor, Noble Knight. The game store uh, that is both physical and online and specializes in finding out of print products. But they also carry the new bright and shiny things like dungeon of the mad mage so that is my pick for the episode uh if you like the sound of what we're discussing and you want to go get get yourself a copy consider heading over to noblenight.com to buy your copy and let them know that the tome show sent you noble knight games has been serving the needs of thousands of gamers worldwide since 1997 huge selection of over 30,000 unique products, including discounts on most in-print games of up to 50% off or more. Noble Knight Games is the place for out-of-print RPGs, board games, war games, collectible card games, miniatures, and all things game-related. They ship worldwide and will purchase or trade your titles you no longer need, new, or used. Your satisfaction is guaranteed. Just visit www.noblenight.com. Or visit our website for direct access to thousands of new, out-of-print, and in some cases, one-of-a-kind items. Okay, so let's talk about Dungeon of the Mad Mage. First, full disclosure, I am working from a review copy, as I often am. Wizard sent me this. I assume everybody else paid for theirs? Yes. Yep. It is nice to be the king. All right. (laughs) So, um... Who can explain to me what Dungeon of the Mad Mage is?
4: I can. Excellent. I'm sure Ish- Ishmael probably can too. Ishmael, you want to do it? Sure. Uh, the
3: Dungeon of the Mad Mage is um, uh, an adventure, uh, a dungeon crawl uh, from Wizards of the Coast. That's kind of the follow-up to Waterdeep uh, Dragon Heist. Um, and it is finally what I think a lot of people are waiting for, 5th uh, edition, uh, expose on Undermountain, one of the most infamous and, and uh, among the larger dungeons to exist in uh, the Forgotten Realm setting. Uh, and so not only does it describe a fair bit of the Undermountain dungeon, uh, it also um, goes over a couple of extra details. For instance, uh, Skullport, which is kind of like an adjacent underground city under Waterdeep um, that's kind of like a den of uh, or a hype of scum and vill- villainy. Uh, is uh given some detail so that you can also use that uh in conjunction with the dungeon
1: yeah skullport never made sense to me right i've been I've been reading and interested in the forgotten realms since second edition and the idea that there is a a seaport city under a seaport city just the physics doesn't work <laughs> right a loser um, did it. Well, and I think I, I think I actually recently got uh, a legit explanation from somebody and it was it's basically that we describe Skullport as being underwater deep because you oftentimes get there through under mountain and what have you by going under uh water deep, but it's not actually physically underwater deep. It's like underneath some some cliffs and, and mountains or whatever down the coast uh from water deep. Um and so that kind of explains it. That makes a lot more sense. A ton more sense. <laughs> <laughs> but it's always described as being under Waterdeep. And I was like, well, how can they be at sea level? But Waterdeep is also at sea level if one of them is several levels under the other one. that, that The physics, that never worked for me. But if it's just not actually there, it's down the way a little bit, but you get there through tunnels under Waterdeep, okay. I suppose mm-hmm. I, can, I suppose I can buy that.
4: I mean, yeah. even even in this book, it doesn't – like, for example, um, Skullport is off of the Sargoth level, which is the third level. Right. And to get there, it's Skullport is not on the Sargoth level map. You have to go down one of the adjacent tunnels and go far away and to get for to, to Skullport. Yeah.
1: yeah, and it's on the Sargoth level, and that makes a lot of sense because I believe the the, the port is that it has is from the Sargoth River that then dumps out into right. the ocean. Exactly. So – so yeah, um, so I don't know that it's ever very well explained in that way, but it's sort of implied, I guess, with how far it is on the map and, and all that. And and that was the, the – I, I don't remember if it was an official person who answered it, who explained it finally to me or if it was somebody who who I know should be official if they're discussing the realms um, because there are a lot of non-Watsi people that know a lot more about the realms than the Watsi people do. So Yes. <laughs> well, all,
3: all respect intended towards the Watsi people.
1: Right. Yeah, no, I mean yeah, absolutely. So, um that's what Dungeon of the Mad Mage is, right? It's it's a 23-level dungeon underneath the city of Waterdeep. Um and I found the design for this to be interesting because it's 23 levels and each level was designed by a different designer has its own sort of Cohesive feel, but is separate in some many ways from the other uh levels of the dungeon. Uh and so you get a lot of really creative ideas and, and interpretations and what have you. Uh and so um that's sort of what's going on. At the bottom of it is Hallister Black Cloak, who is um this crazy super old immortal wizard, um who's who's been there in that dungeon longer than Waterdeep has been a city. Uh, who sort of is the one who, like, keeps messing with stuff and bringing monsters in because he thinks it's fun or whatever, right? Because right. he's, he's crazy. He's the Mad Mage.
4: And this, this book actually gives a, 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 a suggestion about what made him go crazy. hmm That um, the, the site of Waterdeep used to be an ancient elven city, and when the elvish people left, they re- cast all sort of magic... Uh, magical spells to re- to remove any evidence of their city ever having been there, and when they did that, they had to use such powerful powerful magic that it created knots in the weave. Uh, and since it created knots in the weave, uh, Hallister going down in getting closer and closer to uh, being exposed more and more to those sort of knots, which are anomalies, has made him go ever and ever more crazy. Uh, there's also another explanation, and that is that the 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 dungeon itself cannot survive without Hallister Blackcloak. So anytime he gets killed, it reincarnates him. But every time it reincarnates him, he goes more and more crazy. He gets more and more uh, insane. Sure. So yeah so which theres is, two two sort of suggestions in the
1: book which is interesting as well because the dungeon at least large chunks of it have been around longer than Halister has right it goes back mm-hmm, to those right. those ancient dwarven and elven ruins and whatever mm-hmm. that that were and, and the yeah. idea of the knot in the weave is an interesting explanation um, in terms of things that don't normally get described in the weave of magic in the forgotten realms um, it I mean it raises a lot of questions but i in the in the interest of narrative i can just sort of wave my hand away and say like you know sure. f- fine right because because yeah. how how long does one have to be exposed to a knot in the weave before it drives them crazy because literally one of the largest cities in the entire world is sitting on top of it right and some of those are from very long-lived races right. why aren't they going crazy <laughs> so.
4: and, it, and it, it mentions others in Waterdeep that are that are succumbing to the effects of those knots as well like Durnan for example you know so I mean it's those are really just sidebars they're not they're not something that's really built into the you know it's just trying to give some background
1: somebody living on the knot in the weave goes crazy at the speed of narrative right right exactly (laughs) so okay good so before we dig into sort of um what we liked and how things function and some of the the questions that I have about this this book. Um, I mentioned that it's 23 different levels and each level is designed fairly differently from each mm-hmm. other. There are s- some that seem to work really well in conjunction in like sets of two or three, uh, but mostly it it's very different sort of feels and different types of dungeons and whatever. Um, I want to ask everybody, what's your favorite? What which level of Undermountain in Dungeon of the Mad Mage is your favorite level of Undermountain. And let's start with Tracy, because she hasn't talked as much lately.
2: So I like the concept of Mm Willowwood—like You're in this dungeon, and then
4: suddenly you're in the forest. Um, But I also really dig the Matrix. The which one? (laughs) Uh, Level 17.
1: The Sea Deeps. The Sea Deeps, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. they've got the, the pods they're putting people in, and and yeah, yeah.
4: Yeah, so I, I, so so spoilers, spoilers. Uh, level 17, the C Deeps, there is a Eulithrid contraption that creates something called the Alter Deep, which is basically the Matrix. Yeah,
1: yeah. In fact, there was even <laughs> mentioned, like, uh, what was it? I think there was a sidebar or something early on that's like, hey— if they die, it's okay. Just have them wake up in the yeah. in, in Alter Deep, and and they'll right. just be there the whole time, and it'll all be fake, you know. And you can basically still do the whole thing, only there in this alternate version of Waterdeep.
2: And part of that, and I don't mean to get any sad or anything, it really reminded me of Randy, um, because he 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 had done like this whole Men in Black thing for with mm. Fourth Edition and stuff. So uh, I think he really would have dug that.
1: Yeah. Friend of the show, former uh, co-host on Behind the DM Screen, uh, Randy, who died uh, a little while—oh, uh, more than a year ago now, right?
4: Yeah, it's two years now. Two, yeah. All right,
1: so that's Tracy's favorite level. Um, either Willow Wood, which is the the weird underground forest um, being ruled by kind of a crazy. Uh, druid, or Sea uh, Deeps, which is the Mind Flayer level that has the weird matrix sort of like, let's put them in pods and experiment on them and put them in an alternate reality worlds. Uh, Ishmael, what do you think? What's your favorite?
3: Um, if I had to choose one, I would probably say uh, level 19 Caverns of Ooze. Not only mm. does it have a tremendous amount of uh, Space Jammer, or I'm sorry, Spell Jammer um, references, but um, I really like oozes. I feel like they don't get enough attention in Dungeons and Dragons normally, so this is kind of right up my alley and like uh, gives me a lot of interesting ideas for how to creep my players out.
1: And how do you feel about genies? Mm,
3: I could go either way on genies. <laughs>
1: see, see, I had similar thoughts on the Caverns of Ooze, except mine were... Uh, I liked different two out of three items, right? I really like the Spelljammer references. I really like the genies. And I'm pretty okay with the uses so
4: (laughs) but jeff didn't you run um out of the abyss i did and we did the we did the whole battle of the uses yeah right and And so that's maybe that's maybe why you're not as Maybe it's, and it went really well and it was
1: fun, but but oozes don't have like interesting personalities, right?
4: <laughs> Maybe they do.
1: Although, yeah, there are, <laughs> I, uh, In fact, I think on this level there are sentient oozes. I kind of want I ca- would kind of want to like run this dungeon and throw in um, uh, was it, like Glabagoul, the the sentient mm-hmm. uh, uh, gelatinous cube <laughs> from out of the Abyss, and just have him have it hit show up and and yeah. work around.
3: It could be like the maitre D yeah
1: <laughs> my glabagool had a in fact i think i stole this idea from mike shea he had a a full skeleton inside of it that used to make gestures and things at, at the players <laughs> so it could kind of communicate through through that often rudely <laughs> <laughs> so okay so the caverns of ooze is ishmael's favorite sam what's your favorite level
4: Well, damn it. It's 17 and 19. (laughs) So, uh, so let me tell you why, but then, then I'll 17 and 19, by the way, are sea deeps
1: and caverns of ooze.
4: (laughs) So let me tell you why. Well, I like oozes and I did not run all the way through out of the abyss. So I didn't, I'm not tired of oozes yet. So I like that one. I like the sea deeps because it has flumps. <laughs> and and I, I like I like how they portrayed the flumps in in the level. It's got flumps, elithid, and githyanki, and mm-hmm. I like how they did those. That, that's a really nice level because it's sort of this culmination, and there's like three different factions. There's a lot of stuff going on there.
1: Well, and and sea deeps is one that I feel like doesn't. Like on its own, it's fine, but it's really intended to sort of be with um, the two a- above it, right? Yes. Uh, Crystal Labyrinth and the Obstacle Course, because you run into both Githzerai and Gith Yankee who are plotting against the the mind flayers of Sea Deeps.
4: So, uh, so I, I'll I'll tell you my next choice. It's levels one, two, and three. Interesting. And here's here's why I say that because I think those three are going to be the levels that get the most consistent play together Mm -hmm. before people get tired of the mega dungeon. And the first three levels are really well interwoven together with the different factions and they're familiar for the most part, familiar creatures. People will either completely skip those altogether because they're familiar creatures. So maybe they won't touch it, Mm -hmm. but most people will start with those three and If they have a DM who really plays up those factions and interactions and NPC groups, it's really well done. It's really well interconnected, whereas some of the other levels aren't really well interconnected with anything else very much. Uh, As you said, 15, 16, and 17 are the the Obstacle Course and the Crystal Labyrinth and the Sea Deeps are, but a lot of the others really aren't. But one other thing about the Sea Deeps, just to go back to that, is that machine the um the elitharid that is that has created the alter deep thing he's looking through this like screen made of crystals and he's total spoilers he's his favorite person in water deep is Durnan. so right. when he, when he has people in the alter deep he himself is the one acting out Durnan's actions specifically and he sees through the eyes of the Durnan in his alter deep and the, so here's my thing about that he's basically playing a video game <laughs> Absolutely. Which I think is so funny. Like I just the way that it's described and the way that it's in there is really interesting and and funny and has such some such obvious connections to video games and the matrix and all those things. That's that's why that one partly is my favorite. Mm-hmm. But I do I do still think that levels 1, 2 and 3 are going to be played and played and played and they're really well interconnected.
1: Yeah, I find it interesting that you liked 1, 2 and 3 that much. I, and I and I don't think you're wrong to like it. I think 1, 2 and 3 are really Really well designed I think you 're right that they 're fairly cohesive, especially one and two, because two you know one you 're dealing with uh the bandits and and the thieves guild and whatever and then two you get down there and you 're still dealing with the thieves guild and now there 's a goblin sort of bizarre market sort of thing that you could see tying into the the people that are hanging out on level one and all that they 're really well designed they 're really cohesive they 're really good examples of what can make a mega dungeon work well,
4: but... And they have a lot of traditional elements, I think, that people... Th- and they do have
1: a lot of traditional elements, which is exactly why I find them less interesting, <laughs> because right. they they are in yeah. many ways the archetype of a dungeon, which makes them completely non-interesting to me, because I've been through 500 dungeons, right? But they're a really good archetype of what a dungeon, what the stereotype of a dungeon is, you know?
4: Yeah, that's why I said familiar. Yeah.
1: It's very familiar. So I guess it's my turn. I really wanted to, to say that one of my, that my favorite ones are like the crazy ones, right? I really like the caverns of ooze. Cause I really like the spell jammer and I would totally want to have my players like go down further in order to get the helm. Uh, so they could get, get and cast wish and get the ship out and fly around and do spell jamming, right? This is an introduction to spell jamming. So that's a thing that, that I w- was interested in. Uh, I wasn't sure I would like it until I really read through it. And then I discovered I really think the obstacle course level is super fun where there's an actual like disembodied uh, uh, announcer voice that's like mocking the PCs as they go through and fail at different challenges in the obstacle course. It's basically just a big uh, it's just full of traps and including teleportation traps that then is designed to split the party up so it could be a nightmare to run. And my fear is that there's like half a dozen different types of, of traps, mostly, and then there's individual ones for each room. But the the ones that are described as sort of like here's here's the half a dozen different traps you that you'll typically run into might get tiresome after a while. Um, but I like the zaniness of it. Right, there there were some others that I thought were super zany as well that are escaping me right now, like uh, Mad Goth's Castle where the big bad is a fairy dragon and it's a little like miniature of a castle floating in in the, in a, in the cavern or whatever. And when you approach it, you actually shrink down to the size that you fit into the miniature one. And suddenly the fairy dragon becomes like a giant dragon. (laughs) You know, there's, there's wacky craziness there that I think is super fun. But ultimately I think what I'm going to name for my favorite is, uh, Vanrak doom, which is level 18. Um, and is interesting to me because it's, it's unique. It's not zany, right? I think the zany ones would be super fun because if you're doing 23 levels of mega dungeon running into like two or three levels that are like, ha, 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 that was funny, uh, is a nice sort of change of pace, right? You know, um, but, but you need to have the other serious ones to make that work, right? And I think Von Rock Doom is interesting. It's, a, it's a, it's actually a, 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 under, the whole level is like a temple to Shar, right? Uh, it was founded by uh, a Waterdavian who went down there in exile or whatever and became a death knight and um, all that. And then suddenly came to the realization that the bad guys never come to and of, hey – Char's been hosing me for, like, ever. Like, why do I keep worshipping her? (laughs) Like, she's constantly (laughs) betraying me. It's like she's evil or something. What's up? Uh, And so so he's like, I'm going to totally worship Selune because, you know, she hates Char, so that'll be funny. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Uh, But then it has the interesting things, like, there's a shadow dragon there, but the shadow dragon, which was Rock's original, like, mount or whatever, is actually... Um, a cursed bronze dragon and you can end the curse and then you've got an ally in a, of a bronze dragon and th- there's there's f- fun and interesting things there that are um, like deep seated in the setting in a way that makes the setting interesting and important. like so often in an adventure or in a, in a dungeon especially the setting like the forgotten realms as the setting um, becomes sort of incidental. Uh, and not really that important. It's the window dressing, right? But this is a level where the, the setting is actually important. Not that you have to know all the lore, but you get to discover the lore and the setting a little bit through um, this Temple of Shar and its current inhabitants, which includes a Cult of Shar, a Shadow Dragon, and a Vampire as the major factions. So
4: And some uh, uh, Hobgoblins, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, th- I thought that was an interesting one. As much as I want to mock my PCs, or uh, the other thing that... I, that uh i i didn't mention but I meant to when Ishmael was talking about the caverns of Ooze um, not only do you get to introduce some spelljammer in there, but um there is a uh the 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 genies sing. Right? There's a song, and they actually wrote the song, and they encourage hey dms who are comfortable, sing this song to your players, right, And I totally want to like break out that karaoke mic and start belting out a tune to my players. so there's my thoughts, I guess I went through a lot of things, but but there's my favorites, and I think that gives us a good sort of hint and, and taste of what is in. Uh, this version of Undermountain and how it functions and how it works, without necessarily having to do a, a, a level by level sort of breakdown, because that would take seven years. I'm not sure it would be useful. I, yeah, I don't know that it is either. You know, if people want that break that that level of a breakdown, you probably should just buy the book, right? So, right. Mm-hmm.
4: Well, I mean, there, there are some things written online. I'm, I'm sure that where yeah. people give those breakdowns and whatnot, and sure. there, there's enough out there that I think people can figure out if they want to buy the book or not. This might help them, right. but us giving a level by level breakdown probably would not help them. I think probably what's going to happen is we're going to talk about the things we liked and didn't like and what we thought could be improved upon or whatever. And sure. then that's going to be more informative more to them than just going through level by level what's in there.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. So, so, the first question I want to ask though or the first deeper question I guess I want to ask it has to do with the description of this product right it is a it is described as a level five through twenty um adventure, and I don't know that I'm convinced that it is i'm con, I don't know that I'm convinced that it's a level five through through twenty thing, and I'm not convinced that it's an adventure
2: and like one of the things I wanted to point out um too because when you're talking, you're saying like as you go through all the levels, but some of these levels some of these parts of the dungeon actually are for the same level characters. That's one thing I did notice. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's like, it's meant for level eight and you'll be ninth at the end of it. But then the next one in the book is also level eight and and you'll be ninth level. And I, it was unclear to me how you were supposed to Mm -hmm. handle that. And if you approach it as like one big adventure where you could go through all of it, how, how, what the expectations were.
1: You have to look through the description carefully. It, It doesn't say you go from eighth to ninth. It says you go from eighth to about halfway through ninth. And then the next one takes you from eighth to the end okay. of that. So there's a bunch of them that are like half level levels. Uh, I, I happen to have, uh, Sam and I have been discussing on Twitter, different different th- things that would be useful to to using this. And the one I thought would be useful was I made a summary of each of the levels and who the, you know, its name, its faction, a sort of a description of, of it, and whatever. And I listed the levels on it. And so some of them, uh, so that's when I figured out, it like, no, 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 this one's supposed to be like a half a level and then you get the other half on the next one and
4: whatever. So
2: I thought I Double checked and I didn't even see. Maybe I don't know.
4: Anyway, sorry. Yeah, yeah no, I I agree with you though. There, it's not always easy to figure out what they actually mean when they when they describe who this level is for. Like what mm-hmm. you know, what kind of group and whatnot. Like I had to be wrong, and then I I, I looked at it. And I didn't see half level at all. So my my thing is like they try to write it so that if you just want to pull one level out of this dungeon, you can do so very easily, relatively Mm -hmm. speaking. And so like, you know, you want to run a single dungeon level and you have nothing prepared for your group today. Hey, grab this book. This book is perfect for that. Uh, as long as they're at least fifth level, you're going to be fine. Uh, you want to run a dungeon crawl campaign, so it's a mega dungeon. They're going to go through every level, and you might have to adjust a little bit of the difficulty, but probably not because it's very deadly. But it's a mega dungeon. Hey, this book is perfect. You want to you want run a plot-driven story that will have the players investigating, keeping them guessing, always one step behind a, a major villain at every turn? Eh, That's not what this book is. Right,
1: Exactly right. Yeah. The, I mean, each level kind of has a story. But mm-hmm. but but there's no hook or goal or there's very few or very light hooks and goals for the players in terms of what they're supposed to do as they interact with that story. The, the idea that you mentioned that you could very that this is designed so you could very easily pull a level out here and there and use it that way. That's exactly why I created this PDF with that table of here's sort of what the levels are. And, and so at a glance, I could be like, oh, my players are level 12. What are my options? OK, this this will fit in where they are right now and what they're doing. I'll, I'll throw that dungeon at them and just pull that one level out and i think they would work like they're they're all really well made they're really well designed i i give all the kudos in the world to the to the people the designers and the writers who worked on them Um, but it does not come like there is not a cohesive narrative there is like i cannot imagine a scenario where i can explain where i can set up a story that would convince a bunch of fifth level characters to go into level one and stick to it all the way to level 23
4: and can i also say it's not really a sequel to Waterdeep Dragon Heist. Well,
1: because it, if it was, it would have to be an adventure. Right? It would have to have a narrative. <laughs> but uh,
4: I mean, it's it's only very tenuously connected. It's only really because it happens in the same city. Right. And I got to say, you know, uh, it's being called kind of a sequel, but, you know, every movie that takes place in L.A. isn't the sequel of the last movie that took place in L.A. <laughs> I mean, it's just, you know, you can make a stronger connection if if you played through Waterdeep Dragon Heist and you made the Xanathar the main villain. Uh, what was that? I think the spring or the was that the summer. But well, anyway. it's one of them. Yeah, uh, it's one of them. And so you can do it a little bit, but it's still not. But even that really only carries that. you
1: through to the second level of of Undermountain, and then you lose the right. the, the, the Xanathar Guild. Um, yeah. So so you're right. It's not a sequel. Um And and in fact, like Dragon Heist presents a, a very compelling narrative driven uh, investigation story. Uh, And then if this was the follow-up, it would be a completely different – it would be a complete shift in the campaign in terms of what you're doing and and what the game was going to be about. I don't hate this product. I really like it. But it's not an an adventure. It is a setting.
4: You know, I think that um, lots of people who run Mega Dungeons would disagree with you that it is an adventure. It's not an adventure like any of the previous fifth edition adventures that have a major storyline, a major villain or two and some giant plot. That's true. It's not that
1: I've been in mega dungeons that had narratives and had a story to tell. And I don't know how you can call something an adventure if it doesn't have a story to tell. So that's where I'm at. (laughs) I think we're going to have to agree to disagree.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I I guess number one, I don't, I, I would venture to say that this product isn't in its uh, presentation for us. It's not for like people who are used to the the more recent uh, adventure formats, uh, where people are kind of uh, looking for a little bit more meat, uh, so to speak. But uh, it it could be. I don't know. It could be for people who actually uh, want a mega dungeon who. C fifth edition is kind of a return to the old days where you could run a mega dungeon and you could have maybe like um, a dungeon crawl and you just go back to it week after week with the intent in mind of getting to the bottom or what have you. But I, I, I had that same feeling. I thought I'm just going to pull levels out of this. I'm never going to run the whole thing. And uh, I don't know. I, I think I agree with you that this doesn't have that same through line that a lot of moments do. But I've I've also seen Mega Dungeons that have probably less of a cohesiveness than this one does as well. So, I mean, I, I would say as a Mega Dungeon, just looking at it as if they're going to present it as a, as a Mega Dungeon, this one's probably middle of the line in that respect. Mm-hmm. But with the components and pieces, each component really shines brilliantly.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely.
4: Yeah. Yeah. and and, then, and notice, Jeff, I said some people would yeah. disagree with you. Not that I did. <laughs> okay. Because I, here's here's my thing. This book has a ton of little small story things and mm-hmm. lots of factions and faction-related plots that are either all-inclusive in a level or two or maybe just one level or one part of a level even. Um, but it has no overarching, all-consuming plot, which is why I was saying it's not really a sequel to Dragon Heist. It doesn't have anything to do with that other adventure. So and even and, no. you, and you
1: highlight that you highlight just how much it doesn't have to do with dragon heist in your use of the word faction because you're right there are there are like we talked about this last week when we did our advice episode on mega dungeons is that a, mm-hmm. a good a well-designed mega dungeon has interesting factions and and political interactions that that you can track and, and are easier to do there than like in a ba- major city because it's all confined and, and a little more easier to sort of think through the consequences of what happens um, and Every single level of Undermountain in Dungeon of the Mad Mage has that, mm-hmm. but the dungeon of Undermountain does not. There are not factions in Undermountain, but each level has factions, except for the few areas like we talked about, where where it's it's really a, a set of two or three uh, levels that could go together and sort of form one more cohesive. Um, so they all they each individually have that. If there was a larger scope faction that played through the majority of um, of Undermountain, I think it would give me a more cohesive narrative and through line <laughs> to, to tie yeah. it all together. But.
4: Yeah. I mean you could take like four or five levels of this and you could make a really great – campaign mm-hmm. that was a sequel to Waterdeep. You you could do something where you figure out the drow have a plan to come and start taking over Waterdeep and you could use a few levels of this. You you could uh use the the illicit band in level 17. You know, his whole, you know, that the leader there, his whole thing is he wants to take over Waterdeep and make everybody in Waterdeep thralls. You could make that your whole campaign. Just pick two or three levels out of here and, you know, for hi- a higher level campaign if you're You know, if your PCs are already higher level, you could have a great campaign. And that could be if you knew you were going to go in that direction at the end of or in the middle of Waterdeep Dragon Heist, you could start working those clues in and start Mm -hmm. working some NPCs in and you could make this a great sequel. But as written, it's not. Right. and 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 you're right it doesn't have that overarching thing through the entire dungeon That's
1: the, and I, true. I, I lost the thread as I, as I started rambling with, about uh, the factions being so compartmentalized um, in that you use the word faction to describe these different uh, opposing elements within each level of the dungeon. Mm -hmm. Which is not how factions are are traditionally discussed in Fifth Edition D anD D, and definitely not in Dragon Heist. Right? Factions were a huge deal in Dragon Heist, Mm -hmm. but they're they're players' factions. It's which which organization or how do you sort of you know what group do you align yourself with or whatever? Those are the factions, and they're really important in Dragon Heist and and, well, there, and in i every, don't know that in I,
4: everyone right because remember oh, since yeah. the beginning of fifth edition they one of the things that they really tried to push was hey if you're playing like adventures league or whatever you can be one of these factions oh mm-hmm. you're one of the emerald whatever or you're you know you're a zintaram or whatever even way back to tyranny of dragons they had oh, yeah. That, oh, yeah.
1: Right? but i feel like i feel like Dragonheist takes it to the nth degree because they add a bunch of more factions and they really show sort of what you can do with factions to make them more localized and, and important to the, the, the story that you're telling and they, they really made it matter uh, in Dragon Heist in a way that other adventures didn't uh, e- uh, excel but see, or push it as much but-
4: but but if you're in this dungeon and your entire campaign is going through this dungeon then these factions that are on these levels are just as important as those factions you're talking about in Oh Water sure, Park.
1: sure. But but the those factions, the factions in in Dungeon of the Mad Mage are NPC facing factions, right? No none of the players are ever going oh, to yes, join one of, course. of those factions. Yeah. Uh whereas well, the factions you don't know that. well they, they, could. They, they could. they could, but they're not designed that way, right? Um, Whereas that's the opposite of what's true in in Dragon Heist, right? In Dragon Heist, the factions are definitionally and they drive the story and they're really important to the characters. I cannot imagine taking my character who was – it was really important to be part of this Force Grey faction for five levels and suddenly we're running Dungeon of the Mad Mage and that faction affiliation suddenly means absolutely nothing because the factions have no interaction uh, in in Undermat. that's
4: true. Yes, you're absolutely right about that about how it's not connected to Dragon Heist in that respect. Yes, the factions are completely different. It's just more evidence that you, of what you said. Yeah, I disagree with you about how important the factions are. But oh, you're no, right; no. it's completely, it's different factions, PC facing factions versus NPC. I'm not
1: saying I'm not I'm, totally I'm not totally different. I'm not arguing that they're not important. the The yeah. factions of Undermountain are very important for what's going on in yeah. Undermountain. That's the the driving force of of the narrative of each story. Right? Each each level has its own little kind of story of what's going on. It just doesn't necessarily have a story that that right. pulls the PCs in very much. But that story is driven by those factions. Yes.
2: so i think one of the interesting things to me because uh, i do agree like it's kind of part of the issue is that faction is an overloaded term i think so, it's part of it that like we use it for fa- like player groups and then now we're talking about mostly i mean sometimes there are groups within one like within the drow that are going against each other but mm-hmm. mostly it's like each kind of creature is their own faction. Um, But it did remind me a little bit of Caves of Chaos type stuff too. That's all I was going to say. Yeah,
3: yeah. There was so much in this book. Like it was packed tight with 23 dungeons um, they put so much uh detail into it. Like I I was expecting to see these kind of bare bone descriptions like here's a room, there's a dragon in it, uh here's another room, there's bugbears. But it really was mm-hmm. very well designed to where each room wasn't just, you know, your your old style, you know, square room with a thing in it, uh no no orc and pie situation, but um That They put so much into it that I think there was no room for any kind of connective tissue. I don't know if that was a consideration, Mm -hmm. if that was something that ended up getting cut. But uh, I just think back to the third edition days when they used to do the, um, what did they call them? They were like the web editions or the web enhancements. Mm -hmm. So they would basically do the things they couldn't in the printed book and give them out for free as PDFs and say, hey here's some more information that might help you connect these two stories or to do an extra thing that that we had intended or like an extra little adventure to go with all of this setting information. But I could see that especially kind of in the context of Adventures League, if someone was going to go from Dragon Heist to Mad Mage in the context of Adventures League, having like a PDF to say, hey, by the way, so that this doesn't seem like this complete tonal shift, Here's some ideas for how you can integrate some stuff from Dragon Heist mm-hmm. into the Mad Mage. And I can see why that wouldn't fit in this printed product that they delivered. But how it could if they just gave like a little bit more. We're we're coming up with the ideas of how you could make them interconnected. And I'm sure that they can or have. Uh, and that would have been a really neat product. But uh, uh, obviously, we we didn't get such a such a thing.
1: I don't want to lead people astray. I will absolutely use any and every level of this dungeon. Um, and i will do fun and interesting things with it and and i will use it in the stories that i've created and i'm telling um, in great ways and every single thing in here that's been designed i really like um, you know like you said yeah it, it is absolutely the the level of detail that they managed to, to put into it is stunning I have some of the older like box set editions of under mountain uh, and it's a massive map of lots and lots of rooms and then like 20 of them are detailed, and then there's just like they don't they don't even number all the rooms, right? There's just here's right. just a map with a bunch of empty rooms. Yeah, fill stuff in, and I'm like, I, I don't, I didn't buy a massive box set product so that I had to do all the work myself, right? And so right. I just never used it. Uh, this is something I will absolutely use because I can pull it off the shelf and be like, hey, I need, uh, I, I I want my my players are in a situation where they're heading into these ruins. Uh, it's an old dwarven mine. Hey, Dungeon of the Mad Mage has the terminus level. Which is, I think, nineteen or twenty, uh, or one of those higher level ones, right? Um, that that's an old dwarven mine. It's got some really fun and interesting things, things going on in it. Let's just pull that out and reskin it and make it that.
3: No, absolutely. I I think to the um, to to your campaign um, that that you were running in that uh, kind of parking garage level. Like, I'm um, had this book come out. I'm sure you could have like gone in there and gone, "Hey, this oh, is yeah. perfect to transpose in there."
1: Yeah,
4: yeah, absolutely. And you know for the for the parts of this dungeon that were modeled after older products, like uh, the first the first level uh, has been detailed in a couple of different products mm-hmm. uh, in the past, and they they took some elements from the older products and they put some new elements in and so they made it sort of a cohesive thing so that if you know anything about the older products, this doesn't feel like a completely dissonant product mm-hmm. uh, mad mad goth's castle. Uh, was one of them. The Lost Level was another one that was uh, based on a different product. Yeah. Um, so there, there was actually a lot in there. Uh, the Sargoth level is from a different product, mm-hmm. um, but they they integrated that pretty well. And I thought they did a good a good job of taking older products and not completely just ignoring them and forgetting. They even kept a lot of the of the fourth edition map elements, mm-hmm. uh, in, in the first level here, because the fourth edition under product just covered the first level, uh, of, uh, of under mountain. And so, you know, so they did a good job there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I feel like there's so much packed in here. Um, I, I, re- there's a couple things I really like. There, there's a little bit of conversation online, at least that I've seen about, uh, whether they should have put, um, boxed text in it. And no, I, yeah. after yeah. and I, I, I was the jury was out for me. I'm not a huge giant fan of box text, but I think it's helpful for new DMs. First of all, this isn't a product for new DMs. So don't mistake me. I'm not saying it is. But uh, after reading through the majority of this uh, closely, um, I don't mean skimming. I mean, actually reading it. I like that it tells you when it when it runs across an npc or or a creature that is a main focus of that particular room or or region of that level it tells you the goals and attitudes of that creature or npc it it doesn't give you sample dialogue but it tells you enough about their goals and what and what they really want to accomplish that a dm who is sufficiently prepared can actually have a good more natural sounding interaction with the as as the npc with the players you know a lot of times if there's box text it'll give you an example sentence oh this is what the uh, the thing knows this is who what this person knows and then it'll give like a quoted line oh they're going to tell the party this and it's really hard to make that sound natural in oh,
1: conversation.
4: They do that in here too.
1: Uh, That's not usually a, in the box test though. Well, That's usually they, later. No, in the, in well,
4: the... they give you they give you some bullet points in here. Oh, here's the things that they know or whatever. But they don't give, at least in most of the things, they don't give uh, truly a here is a script. Give this, you know, say this exact yeah. thing to the players.
1: Yeah, and I don't know that I need. I don't know. That's – to my mind, that's a different – a slightly different, although related issue than to, to box text, right? I,
4: yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no I, I, I agree. I know, I know. I, I'm saying I like the way that they sort of integrated both of those in this right. product.
1: Yeah, and I don't know – I don't know how I feel about the the bullet point um, usage instead of box text here. I, I'm a fan of box test, text generally um, as long as it's, it's relatively brief, right? Yeah. Um, some box text, as I run some older edition stuff and update it to, to fifth edition of my campaign for people who listen to Behind the Theme Screen, um, some of the box text in the olden days could go on and on and on. And you got like a page and a half of box text to read, right? Uh, and it gets a little ridiculous. Um, but I, I, in a lot of ways, I prefer the box text over the bullet points. That said... Um, the bullet points work fine. I've, I've done it before. I've done it, um, you know, I, I've run part of this adventure before. Uh, and the box text works uh, as a, an experienced DM. Uh, my language is probably a little bit less flowery using the bullets. Um, because, you know, it's not thought out ahead of time of how to really make this evocative, right? Um, mm-hmm. but, it, but it goes, yeah, it works fine. Um, you know, I don't have a real strong opinion on it. I prefer box text, but... I get by with bullets.
3: If if I had to guess, I think I know a little bit about layout and box text in a in a, a giant book like this. Um, would have probably been a nightmare. So <laughs> that's a consideration.
4: Maybe. Well, now that you brought up layout, <laughs> the layout of this book is extremely, extremely dense. It has. The map for each level mm-hmm. within the first within the first two or three pages of the level, and then never again do you see any piece of that map for that level. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's broken up with with really good um, section uh, font and size and art. But well, no, I mean within each page. Oh, within each within section. Each okay, okay. Yeah, I gotcha. I thought uh, a but but otherwise, it's basically a giant textbook. To be totally yes. honest, um, yeah. The
1: The, the art, only art is on the the first page of the chapter,
4: right? On the first page of the chapter, and a, very few other little like quarter page pieces, maybe every sixty or eighty pages or something like that. There's like five of those in the book or something.
1: That's how they get um, that level of detail into so much dungeon, though.
4: Right, right. And so, but here's the thing. Um, that means you have to read this thing so closely. Mm. This this requires a lot of prep. And so one of the reasons why they use bullet points and whatnot is to try to cut down on you having to read giant paragraphs again during the game after you've prepped.
1: Yeah, and, so, and I think you're right because honestly, if you gave me the box text – I would want the box text in addition to the detail in the bullet points. Right, right. So you'd and have to no give me the box text the and the bullet yeah. points, and at that right. point, you've doubled up the space. Right. So that's well, fair. and
4: yeah, and so here, so that, so actually, I'm not. I, I have a love hate relationship with the layout because I feel like the the choices they made for the layout were mostly appropriate for the product and the amount of dense material that's in there. But man, I really want a close up of a part of the map or, uh, some, some little art sprinkled through. So it's just not such an oppressive giant tome of just flat text. And, and-, um, and I, and I'm a reader. I mean, I love reading and, and I, I love reading RPG books, but this is gonna scare people, some people because it's just not a tenable situation to sit and read this thing. Okay. And the layout doesn't really, offer any breakup in so on so many pages i mean it's really mm. it's clean and crisp i mean it doesn't i'm not saying it looks like crud but uh you know there's just there, yeah so
1: i mean i've like i've it. read other gaming books that i thought were even with the art and the maps and things to break it up i thought were a lot more dense in terms of really pulling out i thought the um the kobold press uh midgard world book the the uh, original one that they published was like probably the most dense product in terms of just yeah. information ever. Um, this one, it, I think it helped that a lot of the chapters were actually relatively short. Um, yeah. Some of the levels are covered in, in you know five or six pages. And so I could get through it really quick and um, it felt light. And then others, yeah, it, it dragged on and went on a long time. But um, you know, it's a dungeon and, and um, you kind of know what to expect. And at the same time, there's all kinds of weird, quirky things going on. So there's interesting, interesting things to see. It is worth noting when we talk about format that each chapter is sort of set up the same way, right? There's an introduction of sort of what this is about. And then it goes into sort of the major factions of who the kind of NPCs and major major groups that you might run into. And then there's a breakdown of room by room by level and then I really liked the last thing on every chapter which was the aftermath section which goes back to this these this conversation we had last week Sam about what makes good mega dungeons and these the factions and the politics and the after effects of when you when you come through and ravage one of the the factions and what have you mm-hmm. is that this aftermath section for every single chapter is like hey the the players actions matter and this is some of the ways that their actions will change the entire dynamics of this level of the dungeon um if assuming they left anybody alive you know so right uh, and right. I thought I found those to be really like that's where the story ends up living right uh it's just not anything that drives my my players to go deeper you know, necessarily so but it's it's interesting and it's uh, narrative heavy
2: and I do think because you did mention it as a dungeon one thing to point out with this in particular is that Like, it's not like you can just easily move around wherever you want. There's, like, gates to get to different places. And there is um, some magic just doesn't work the, the way you would expect it to within the dungeon, which we hadn't really talked
1: about before. No, that's true. Yeah, magic doesn't quite work the way it normally does. There are these Elder Runes that Halaster has set up in a bunch of places that do weird and interesting things. They've got this uh, Secrets of Undermountain mechanic where you can get a card or whatever and it tells you a new little piece of lore about about the dungeon. Um, those are all fun and interesting. There are the Arcane Gates that Tracy you mentioned, um, which are like weird and confusing. Like there's all these places where you can like step through and you end up on. This completely different level, except there's like a ghost that has possessed the dungeon and won't let you go through if you're going to die by going through it, right? Um, uh, and 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 the, the the arcane gates I found to be this really intricate, confusing web. So speaking of PDFs that I've thrown together, <laughs> um, uh, Sam and I were both talking about, hey, this would be a thing, and then I had some some time and was taking a break from some work, and so I I did it. I went through the entire book and I and I made a, a table. Of every single level and which gates are in which rooms and where they go. Um, So you can kind of piece together a web of, of all of that. Sam, we should um, link all of the various tables and charts and PDFs that yeah. we've put together on, on the show notes. Uh, and you, you designed something to help with the adventure as well. Didn't you Sam, you put together a table. Well,
4: I'm not done yet. Cause it's huge, but oh, okay. basically what I have is I've gone level by level and I'm writing down rather than just writing the factions and, and you know, and what level they're on. I'm actually giving an explicit list of how many of each creature is on each level, right? Because and, and you and I had different room. goals right. with the, right. with those PDFs, so. right? My my goal is if a person wants to figure out what tokens they need, what minis they need, what you know, what how much do they want to put, you know, if they want to figure out what levels do they want to run, they can look at you know whatever. Um, and I'm all I also did one for treasure, so I have you know the creatures, how many of them are, what room are they in, what's their CR, hmm. and. You know, in, in what faction they belong to, if they belong to a faction. And then treasures, uh, what it is, how much it's worth, what its actual value is, and any notes about, you know, also what room it is in and, and any notes about it. Mm-hmm. So, because uh, there's a couple of cursed items uh, that aren't a super duper extremely detrimental, and then there's some cursed things that are. Uh, so I wrote notes about those. So th- that's really for a person who's pr- really prepping this to run it. That's a helpful information at a glance to have.
1: Yeah, you know, and, and it would be useful. It would be useful in conjunction with what I put together as well, because what I put together, oh, absolutely. Yeah, with, what I put together is was intended to. Well, other than the arcane gate, which was just to try to map this out and figure out how it all connects. Um, the other one that I put together was just the brief description of each level, because I wanted to be able to at a glance say, "Hey, I'm running a thing. I need a dungeon. What can I rip out of the middle of Undermountain, or send them down to that specific level in Undermountain, or whatever." Uh, and use for this thing that I'm you know that I need right and so it's meant to be a cheat sheet to sort of piece the whole thing apart but then if I've decided I'm going to go into level 13 I can look up on Sam's uh, documents of what exactly is there and how do I run it so
4: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah
2: and and part of the reason I brought it up is because we were talking about how how much information is in many of these chapters and people might be scared off particularly if they're used to running some of the more recent adventures where it was pretty open. You could go in lots of different directions where here it's like mm-hmm. if they're in area X, there's really limited areas, other areas they can go to. You don't have to know the whole dungeon.
1: Dunge- dungeons are inherently uh, both both wonderful and horrible in that exact way, right? Okay.
4: <laughs> and that, that, One that, that, thing the yeah. choices are limited. Yeah. One thing I want to say, too, about the thing that Tracy mentioned, the uh, the, the runes the rune marks or whatever it is mm-hmm. uh, that Halaster has spent all his time. Uh, PCs can actually learn how to make mm. those and use them in their own magical. So, you know, you could do with, you could, you could actually have a storyline where Halaster starts noticing that this, this PC has figured out how to start utilizing this power. This, this PC must have some kind of natural ability and Halaster might want that person to become an apprentice. Mm-hmm.
1: And that's the thing that Halaster's doing, right? He's looking for people mm-hmm. to be po- p- potential yep. evil wizard right. apprentices. Uh, he's right. maintaining the craziness of the dungeon. Like, there's, there's certain areas where where I feel like the book really highlights just how powerful Halaster should be, right? Um, right? Because they're like, th- if this thing happens, it would take a wish to re-enchant this level of the dungeon, so it would take about a week or so, and Halaster will come around and cast that wish, right? Because he, he's just casting wish when he wants to to, to make these things happen. Uh, I did I do want to go back to one last thought. This is my last thought and then we'll get everybody else's last thoughts um,
4: <laughs> last thought i had a list <laughs>
1: well good you can go through all of your last thoughts um i mentioned at the very beginning that i'm not entirely convinced that this is an adventure but the other thing piece and we talked a lot about that the other piece that i said is i'm not entirely convinced that it's actually level five through 20 um and the reason for that is each level of the dungeon covers either one or a half level most of them cover a half level um until you get to the end. Once you hit level 23, it's suddenly like, well, your players should be about level 15 through 20, right? And so they, they kind of take that last last level of the dungeon and, and give it a five-level range, whereas everything else had a half-level range, and say, no, this is appropriate for any of that. And so, well, that's not really a, a five-through-20 adventure then, because... Nobody's going to be level twenty when they get there because the previous level said they should get to you know fifteen.
4: <laughs> so um, yeah. So that's part of the other reason I wanted to start making that monster chart because when I'm done, I can actually calculate the the, the experience. experience for overcoming those things, right? Yeah, but I'm not going to use and experience points anyway. It's all milestones for me. No, no, no. I know. But, but I'm just saying, like, because it explicitly says mm-hmm. there is enough experience points ah. in this level. It explicitly says that you want to check so, the math. yeah i mean it's not that i don't believe them but i feel like there's there's also other things going on there's traps that you overcome there's there's different little quests so it's not just about monster uh, xp value but if they're going to explicitly say in a very old school way there is enough xp to go from level one to level two or from level eight to get halfway through level eight to nine and then the next level all the way from there to to wow. level nine. Well, I want to know if that's actually true mm-hmm. uh, or if I need to actually milestone it. Or right? su-
1: or supplement it with other things or whatever. Right. Because right. ultimately, like if I was actually running an Undermountain campaign, I would have them going back to the surface on a regular basis and having things going on in the city of Waterdeep as sure.
4: well. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. For
1: sure. All right. Other other last thoughts. I know Sam's got a, a laundry list. Yeah. Um, should we should we have everybody give their last thoughts and then let Sam go through his list? <laughs> sure. All right. Ishmael, last thoughts.
3: Uh, so just kind of piggybacking on what it was just said, um, the best mega dungeons or just large dungeons that I've ever seen uh, feel a little bit more organic because each level is so different. Uh, And because, as we said, they they're expected to be cleared out, Uh, maybe not in every instance, but they actually say, hey, if you if you go through every room of this dungeon, you'll be level 20. Um, It seems more like it's a fire and forget. You finish one level. okay, now you're on to the next level. Uh, It doesn't feel like having to go back to the surface and then coming back to level 20 means any anything more than just, um, you know, procedurally going through each one. Whereas most dungeons I've seen that are kind of like on this scale, you have to worry about things repopulating, you have to worry about things happening, uh, even as you leave the dungeon and come back, right, gargoyle statues might like reform, or you might have to worry about like a different uh, uh, kind of trap that only happens like in this season or whatever. Um, So it just seems like, okay, once you're done with the level of the dungeon, you kind of shove it to the side, and then just move on to the next one without it being one cohesive piece. Um, I think – is I,
4: that – so can I ask a question about that? I yep. felt like as I was reading it, that's part of why they put Hallister's Gates in there, you know? So skip, that skip sections. So that you could skip once you've gone through and you wouldn't right. have to worry about that sort of traditional restocking. But you're right. It kind right. of undercuts –
1: well, but but yes. there there is some restocking specifically discussed too, because there's certain areas where it's like, hey, if the PCs like ra- you know destroy this faction or whatever, these are the other creatures that will wander in from the the ex you know connected tunnels, or if you free the Marid or the what was the or the Dao, the genies on the cavern of Ooze level, uh, th- there's an opportunity to free one of them. From their bondage, Uh, and and it explicitly says in the aftermath section, yeah. And then Hallister's like, well, I guess there goes one of my genies. That's annoying. I guess I'll go get into Freet and and throw him in there, you know. And so, Mm -hmm. uh, and so because Hallister's crazy. If if the dungeon doesn't repopulate itself, he'll take care of it, you know. Yeah,
4: it doesn't. Doesn't it also say like what happens to Waterdeep if you if you clear the first three levels? you've cleared the sort of buffer layer and now all the really bad things are going to go. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry, Ishmael. I totally commandeered your. No, and it's
3: it's fine. I think it was that kind of idea. There's, there's definitely a nod to it, but I think it goes back to that initial idea. That's like in the first few pages of finish this thing, Diablo style and go through every level. Like that's kind of how they tell you to tackle it. But then there's, hints and clues in the story for how it actually has impl- greater implications both between itself and and, and uh, Waterdeep uh, as well. So, I mean, I guess that changes my mind a little bit, but um, I, I think that it's still, the presentation of it is still, is still a little bit wonky towards the idea of it being a me- mega dungeon. Okay.
1: Tracy, last thoughts?
2: For some reason in my mind, I kept kind of actually picturing it as, uh, the spheres from Human Powers, like because they're kind of like these little terrariums, each level, although I know some of them are interconnected. Um, but the other thing, I know we didn't talk about it in terms of for this review, but I did pick up the maps and miscellany uh, yeah. product as well. Yeah, me too. Yep. And <laughs> I did. Yeah, tell us about that. Yeah, so um, it comes with uh, all of the maps for all the levels, plus uh, Skull Port, and then um, perforated cards, but they're made from a cardstock that is, um, I would say, like, laminated, or at least treated so that you can use dry erase marker on them. Hmm. Uh, I do feel sometimes the maps are still a little too small, but that makes sense because they're huge maps. Um, but I, I was... Cards, what what what
1: are those cards? What are you talking about?
4: Go ahead, I forget
2: what they're called, though. Um, I'm trying to it's remember the what they're called.
4: It's the Secrets cards and the because' oh, the, the the runes. Runes. yeah
2: the rooms yeah, and they those ones are perforated so you can just make them into a deck uh, whereas with the book you'd have to try to photocopy it or get it online, uh, obviously, but um because you guys you were talking before about wanting to take just take something out of the dungeon and mm. run it um, even totally separately and I think these maps do help a bit with that
1: okay, absolutely uh, so Sam, how's your
4: laundry yes, list so. looking? It's still got quite a bit on it. Well, <laughs> it's so, you so want give to, it to you us. Want me to go. Okay, uh, so some good things. Um, uh, well, depending on right uh, preference, but they 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 do this thing where they have the headings of some of the sections and and they have these sort of cutesy, funny names that reference sort of modern. Memes. And, yeah, they do. And,
1: I thought that was great. <laughs> yeah,
4: and and the thing is, like, I saw some people complain about it because they didn't want the dungeon to be funny. They wanted to be more serious. But the thing is that you're not telling the group right. that they're going into this area and this room is called the whatever. That's totally um,
1: DM facing. The players never yeah, interact with that.
4: Right. Exactly. So so that's why I'm okay with it. Like I I, I might also complain if it changed the tone of the game for the players as the game was in session you know it might it might be a problem for me but but i don't really consider that but it is kind of fun to, it makes it fun to read is mm-hmm. was my point. absolutely does. um there is there's a lot of aspects uh, of different parts of this dungeon where there's a sort of combat uh, opportunity mixed with a trap type or obstacle type opportunity and some of them felt very uh it reminded me of a fourth edition set piece encounter. Mm -hmm. And I mean that in a good way. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't mean like it's, it's too busy or whatever. I mean that, uh, the way they integrated the architecture of the level and the creatures that are there and the other elements of the of the atmosphere there really work together to make it challenging for the players, even if it's a, a sort of low CR creature set or something like that.
1: And there was a surprising um, number of situations where it's not even like for the stereotype of a mega dungeon. It wasn't a run in and kill everything, right? There was a lot of opportunity right. for interaction. Dwemer Core is like this big like intrigue level where you enter like the Arcane Academy and and they're all horrible evil betraying each other sort of people, and you can totally jump in and manipulate that and there's a lot of opportunities for non-combat stuff to too.
4: Well, that is the, that is what a mega dungeon is for. The mega dungeons aren't for just hack and slash.
1: No, but that's the stereotype of a mega dungeon.
4: What is, is, that, is,
1: that, is that it's it's they're they're combat heavy because that's what dungeons usually are
4: disagree but let's move on uh <laughs> so i mean that's the whole i mean what didn't you learn anything from our episode last week mega I, dungeons i'm are talking about, about stereotypes not,
1: not i'm talking about stereotypes uh, not good okay. mega
4: dungeons all right okay so one of the things i liked about the book they give these uh they have these hooks which were eh, but also they have sort of Delayed hooks, uh, like future little quests, like if the party ends up uh, resolving this issue, they could also try to resolve this. Like, these are some of the things happening in the dungeon. There's just two or three pages of that in the beginning. Uh, and they kind of show how to integrate different some of the different levels. Um, and that was... I mean, it wasn't like the most perfect thing in the world. For example, there's one on page nine, Save the Dragon. If you completed the Throne of Coronal or the Eye of the Spider quest, you could then do this quest. It would be meaningful to the party because they would understand the context. And that's really cool. I want a lot more of that in here. Like yeah. we, we need to see because that's what's going to help the DM integrate this for the players and cause them to see that there is actually some connections between levels that don't otherwise seem like they're connected at first.
1: Right. If that quest sort of web section was like twice as big as it was, I think you we'd be having a different conversation.
4: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Or if they gave a couple for each at beginning of each level along with the what lives here give the here are the quests that could take place here more explicitly, right? Yes. Um so those so those are good things. Uh some bad things. Uh most of the magic items are eh mm-hmm. um I mean, they're okay, but they're not there's nothing special. There's there's no there are no real new kind of awesome special artifacts or magic items in here, which is something that's kind of sad because for a mega dungeon, you want you want to have like the one really cool thing or the one or two really cool things. And and I don't I haven't either I completely skipped it uh, or I just didn't. I wasn't impressed by whatever was there. Uh, and not l- unless you're there. a big fan of Spelljammer, then you can get an actual Spelljammer right. ship well, and, yeah. <laughs> and
1: an asteroid satellite base. Yeah,
4: <laughs> guess, what I, guess what I'm not a big fan of. So anyway.
3: Uh, <laughs> and if, if I could intercede really quick, I'm, I'm going to sure. say again in the, in the context of Adventures League, if I had to guess why they didn't put some big awesome artifact in there, I'd say if someone was playing this through adventures league, they'd have to do some kind of finagling to go, uh, you probably can't keep that item or or some such. Uh, and I can't remember when this was written in the context of like the rules that just came out that say what items you can get or whatever.
4: Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, I, I get it, but I don't play adventures league. So for me, that's a, that's a, uh, a real missed opportunity for this. And product. I sympathize right. with that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other thing that they do in the beginning is they give this little sidebar about the six goals of Halister. Like what could he be do? What could his goal be? And how, you know, the thing is here, here's the problem with it. They really make no real difference to the players, to the PCs, unless the DM really focuses yeah. on trying to show how Halister is going towards those goals. And, I suppose you could say that about any of this dungeon, that none of it really makes any difference unless the DM does the work to sort of show how it's all related. But still, it's it's almost like they made half an effort. Once again, I feel like it's a missed opportunity. That the the goals of Halaster, and then give me some examples of how I could make him do those things, mm-hmm. right? One really huge missed opportunity, no vertical map. This is a multi-layered dungeon, and some of the levels themselves have multiple layers. Mm. And I want to see – I know it would be difficult, but hello, that's why I'm spending 50 bucks on the book because I want the designer to do that work for me. I don't want to have to do it. And also there are some parts of the book where the players, the PCs actually, see like carvings of the side view of certain levels. But yet there's no example of that in the book, which means mm. I, as a DM, have mm. to go through and make that handout myself. Right. Because I'll tell you what, if I say this is what you see carved into the side. They room see it. 30, room 37 is the first uh, incident of this. And I wrote it down because I was so, like, incensed that they didn't give it to me in a picture. <laughs> right. It, they, There's a side view map carving of the different areas. And my players are going to say, "Where? what's it look like? Well, I want to see it. Which means I, I I have to make that first.
1: There's also levels where it's like, hey, there's a giant chasm in the middle of this part of the dungeon or whatever. It's like, really? Mm-hmm. Why isn't that running into the one below it? You know, what's going on right. here? In, yeah. And a vertical right. map would would explain
4: that. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So that's so that's that's an issue. Um, we already talked about the art. It's really low on art. And I'm not a person who normally says I want to see a lot, a huge amount of art because I don't necessarily want to see a huge amount of art. But this thing is massive and I want to see more art in it because the art in it that's there is what I consider really good.
1: Yeah, I, I, uh, ca- I kind of want a poster of the Mind Flayer pirate on my
4: wall, you know? Yeah, he <laughs> <laughs> loves that picture. Um, the C- Cards of Secrets, I want more of those, right? So, yeah. you know, I feel like they, they picked they they picked and pulled a lot of different really good elements but then it's so big they didn't have room to integrate enough of those right. things to make it really fantastic it's good it's not fantastic yeah
1: if, if there were like 3 times as many cards for the secrets i think that would be right. more meaningful right a, yeah, a, a yeah. more interesting sort of exploration to to learn the lore of the setting and 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 make it actually matter you know right it,
3: right it could have been um, a- kind of an interesting mini quest to like trade those secrets with other creatures in the dungeon to kind of put together a greater right. picture.
4: Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Put at the bottom of the card, you know, uh, uh, so-and-so in on the third level would love to know this information or would pay uh-huh. for this information or would trade the stone key for this information or whatever. Right. right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. just for the DM to know that. And then they could deal with the, with that during the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, uh, this is written each levels by a different author or whatever. I don't know if any any single author did more than one level, but they're written by different authors, and that that creates some problems. And it's one of the reasons why it's a more sort of each level is modular and separate, versus of one cohesive giant mega dungeon.
1: Although I kind of um, get the impression that that Undermountain in previous edition in previous iterations has been similarly done though. So yeah,
4: I yeah, I think it was.
1: I think it's intended to be modular, and yeah. and so they figured. Yeah. giving each level a different to a different author kind of makes sense because they kind of right. work that way anyway.
4: Sure. Yeah. And th- and that's fine. And, but that's the reality of the business. I'm, I'm not really knocking it. It's not like, Oh, I hate this book because of it. That's not it right. at all. But when I, that's one of the reasons why it kind of falls short a little bit from the, the mega dungeon that I want it to be. Right. Um, you know, there's a lot of, there's the, the missed opportunity I mentioned earlier of the uh, player's, handouts like there's so many of those even just in the first three levels i wrote down like 12 places where there's a handout i'm going to have to make if i let my players go through that Um, and you know things like uh uh, trinzia's logs she has these little pieces of parchment log entries like that's the kind of stuff where if you just hand it to the players and they have it then you don't have to read it to them here's what it says you know um, I wish they gave more sort of stats for rival adventuring groups, you know, like in the beginning they mm-hmm. did like the fine fellows of Daggerford, mm-hmm. uh, and, and you end up, if you go through the, all of the first three levels, you end up running into them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you can sort of get to know them and understand how they're working, but.
1: And there's one other former adventurer way down deeper. There's like a gnome, yep, a gnome yep. tinkerer or whatever
4: uh-huh. on, yeah. the, on the and construct they're, they're, level. Right. And there's a few dead ones. Like you, you can find a yeah. dead warlock in a couple of different places and, and that kind of thing. But in terms of rival adventuring groups, one of the things that is a common trope in a, in a mega dungeon that's well designed is lots of – you know, I mean, heck, we all know the Yawning Portal is where everybody goes to go into Undermountain mm-hmm. to explore. But so where is everybody no else? <laughs> right. Where is everybody? You walk in and suddenly nobody's there, right? So that, that's one of my things. So here's my advice. I have, I have two pieces of advice. Uh, for you Um, number one give your party make sure your party has before they go into this dungeon uh, every one of them needs to have a wand of detect magic with a whole (laughs) ton of charges because almost (laughs) every single thing you read is like this will give off the aura of divination magic Mm. or of abjuration magic and it tells you this and there are so many entries like that that i just feel like if my if my Wizard player is he's just going to expend all his spell slots on detect magic, and what a waste! Just make magic a hand trap, right? Give them a way to detect magic easily and with with very low cost, unless you want them to have that as a resource that they need to manage and save it until they Mm. think it's really important. And you have to understand that that's what's going to happen if you don't do that, if you don't give them an easy way to do it. My and that leads to my next thing, which is the last thing I'll say is set your players' expectations. And the hooks that, that are supposed to bring the party into uh, Undermountain are not that great, in my opinion. They're okay. They're workable. Uh, but here's the thing to do. Here's what I suggest. When, you're, when you sit down and you're having your, your players make their characters tell them they need to figure out why that character wants to go into Undermountain. Their background needs to lead to it. Mm-hmm. They need to have a story reason why they're going into Undermountain. Otherwise, you're not, they're not going to spend very much time in there because there is no reason to.
1: Right. Yeah. And, and a lot of the things that you mentioned that would, it would be better if it had the, you know, the vertical map and, and more cards and all these other things. Right. I feel like, that's what would have made, in my mind, the, the supplemental product even better, right? If it had some of those extra things that couldn't fit into the book because the book is already so densely packed, right? But then if you stuck that in that other pack uh, that, was, that you could buy supplementally, even if it raised the price a little bit or whatever, um, that would totally be worth it, right?
4: Yeah, or make a second one. Alistair's Callister's Lost Notes. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Like, Zan- like Xanathar's Like Xanathar's, notes, Yeah. right?
3: That could have been a really good DM's Guild title.
1: And and maybe it yeah. will be. Who knows? I don't know what the, the, the ad apps are working on or any of the other people over there. All right. So can we go ahead and wrap it up? We're at an hour and 20 minutes now. So. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. All right. Very good. We'll call that the end of the episode. We like
2: to say thank you to our sponsor, Noble Mate. To listeners who support the show on our affiliate links with Amazon and DMs Guild, as well as those who support us directly at patreoncom Show. We also like to thank our guest
4: Ishmael. Where can folks find you?
3: Uh, most days on Twitter under uh, Elvin Wizard King.
4: Awesome. And Sam. Uh, I am on Twitter at DM Samuel, and you can find me at RPGmusings.com, where I actually have recently written a couple of articles about uh, running mega dungeons and going through Dungeon of the Mad Mage. So there you go.
1: Yep, very good. Uh, I saw your article. It, it, you uh, you wrote that, like, what, right after we had our, our conversation about it for the advice yeah. episode last week. So it worked out really I well. I
4: actually had it, most of it written beforehand, which is why I had that list on that episode. So you, you, there you go. <laughs> there you go. All
1: right. Well, if you want to reach out to myself or anybody else who works on The Tome Show, email Show at gmail.com. Uh, that goes to me, but then I can pass it on to whoever whoever else needs to see it. You can find me on Twitter. I am at Squatch S Q U A C H. You can find Tracy. She is at Sarah Dark Magic. And you can tweet the show, which is at the Tome Show.
2: And that's episode 316, where we went so far in the city, we ended up in space. In this episode of
0: Gato, Gato, You don't dress up to play D&D You don't dress up to play D&D You don't dress up to play D&D Unless you want to like me You don't dress up to play D&D You don't dress up to play D&D You don't dress up to play D&D Unless you want to like me You don't think we fancy, let me teach you about class is dying cause it's just like baseball there's no crying you want to join in now you start realizing we're the cool cool nerds call me Neil deGrasse twice D to the R to the A and S D and D the dungeon mess sets up a scenario then he or she asks where would you like to go we talk as a group then decide together there's no winning yo we could play forever stay right there let me answer your questions or clear up all your misconceptions stay right there Questions or fear up all your misconceptions. You don't dress up to play D D, you don't dress up to play D, you don't dress up to play D unless you want to like me. You don't dress up to play D you don't dress up to play D, you don't dress up to play- D and D, unless you want to, like me. You don't dress up to play D and D, you don't dress up to play D and D, you don't dress up to play D and D, unless you want to, like me. You don't dress up to play D and D, you don't dress up to play D and D, you don't dress up to play D and D, unless you want to, like
2: me.
4: I'm on the walk.